Heavenly Father, this morning we confess now in prayer, even as we've just proclaimed in song, that truly you are always only good. Heavenly Father, we know our weaknesses. If we are honest with ourselves, we know how far short we fall. We know how undeserving we are. And though we may not always see or understand what you are doing, this we confess and proclaim this morning, regardless of what it is, you are always good, you are only good. Heavenly Father, give us faith to believe that this morning. To cling to that hope, regardless of our circumstances, that you are always and only good. And even as we come to this passage, to these final five verses, may our eyes be open to that reality. May we be encouraged by that truth, not in our own strength, but in your goodness, in your strength to be faithful, for you are always good. May you be honored in all that is said and done in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. So we come to John 21, verses 20 to 25. It's the last five verses of the book of John. It's part of this last chapter, John 21, where John's kind of tying up all these loose ends. And this morning, we'll see the call to be faithful. These last five small verses, the call to be faithful. In fact, it's going to be a short sermon, I think. It's only one point. It's the whole point of this whole five verses. Simply follow me, and we'll see that in just a second. Follow me. As we come to John 21, these last five verses, it's, we're coming to the last five verses of the book of John. It's as if you're coming to the end of a long journey, a journey that we've been on for well over a year. We started the book of John in April of 2020 the very beginning of COVID. In fact, I think that our first Sunday in John, if I'm remembering correctly, was either our first or second Sunday when we were not meeting together and we were going online for a second because no one really understood COVID, what it was, and what, and, and so we, we did that for a while. That is the circumstances under which we started this book. And it feels like now we're coming to the end of a long journey. I think of long journeys. My mind thinks of the long drive from here to South Carolina with four kids, six and under. That's a long journey. I remember one time when we had gone on a trip, I think it was a college trip, and Todd and Debbie went with us. And Todd got up to give a testimony about how the trip went, and he goes, we got in the van and we were driving and we were driving and we were driving and then we got to Grinnell. <laughs> that, that struck me as really funny. I don't know why. <laughs> it's a long journey. And it's interesting when you get to the end of a long journey to look back. In fact, that song we just sang, You Are Always Good, 
the first line, looking back, I can see your finger prints upon my life, always seeking my best. It's as if as you come to the end of John, you can kind of do that as well. Right? Looking back. Think, think of John as he's writing this. And he's thinking back and he gets to the end. Looking back. How, how it must have seemed so much different to him as he's writing this all down at the end of his life than when he was actually living it. As he looks back on it, how he must have seen the goodness of God. It might not have felt like that when he was living it in the moment. Or think of Peter. As he looks back over the book of John, as they come to this point, Peter can look back over the last three and a half years, however long it was of Jesus' ministry. Looking back over that time, I can see your fingerprints upon my life the same testimony we have this morning as we sang that song. Just think of our journey through this book. How much has changed since we started this book in April of 2020. We had no idea what COVID was at that point or what we were heading into. And yet here we sit all this time later, coming now to the end of John, who's been our faithful companion all through this journey through COVID. And a lot has changed since April of 2020. And yet everything that has changed, the message of John remains true. That Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for your sins and for mine. As you come to these last five verses after seeing everything that we've seen on this journey through John, the call is a call to be faithful. To follow me. As I mentioned, I have one point, and it's that. Follow me. John 21 starts this way, then Peter, turning around. Clearly, we're starting in the middle of a story, in the middle of a context. Then Peter. Well, what's happened before that? We know. Just last week, we saw as Peter was forgiven... As Jesus says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And then as you come to verses 18 and 19, Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. You've seen very clearly there last week the call for Peter to follow. And this time, this call is different. It's the same call, but it's under different contexts than all those years earlier when Peter was called to follow. When Peter was first called to follow, he had no idea what he was getting into. He had preconceived notions and ideas, but he did not know. As you come to John 21, 19... Peter knows good and well what he is called to follow and where this will lead. Jesus has just told him it will lead to your death by crucifixion. But follow me. So as we come to these verses, it's important for us to understand that context because that ties into everything that Peter says in response to here. Peter has just found out He's been forgiven, he's been restored, and and that is good news. And I'm sure that he is rejoicing. 
And yet, even in their rejoicing, he finds out, yes, I want you to follow me, Peter. I am not giving up on you, Peter. But as you follow me, know this, that you will die. There's rejoicing. There's good news in there. And yet, you can't help but think that that's probably kind of stinging Peter a little bit. It has to be shocking news, right? So all this is running through Peter's mind and his emotions. And Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, Lord, who is this one who betrays you? The disciple whom Jesus loved, we know at this point, that is John, the author of this book. In fact, we see that down in verse 24. John clearly identifies himself. The disciple whom Jesus loved, following, who also had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is it who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Again, I think there's a lot going on here. I think there's a lot going on inside of Peter here. Commentators, as you kind of study this, people have different conversations. Is, is this coming from a place of jealousy in Peter? Well, if I'm called to die, well, what about, what, what's he called to? What about him? Or is it coming from a place of care? Lord, I... I I understand what I am called to, and, and these men that, that I love and I care for, are they called to that too? What about them? We like to put things in, in boxes in black and white, don't we? I don't know that it's necessarily as black and white here. I don't know that this is a situation where it's either or. I think there's a good chance that this both and. I think there is a, it, it seems to me, most likely, and from Jesus' response, that there is some jealousy in Peter. And at the same time, there is care for his brothers who he loves. I think there's hints all throughout this. Number one, turning around, he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper. As Peter is wrapping his mind around his call to follow, and all that that means, his, he's just been told, this is how you will die. I think there's a play on words there. I think literally Jesus and Peter are walking and John is following behind them. And yet at the same time, it's almost as if Peter's working through this all, his, all in his mind. And he looks around at these others who are following Jesus. And he cares for them. They're his brothers, his friends. What about them, Lord? In fact, you kind of see that in this instance that's given as an example. The one who had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is it who betrays you? It's a scene taken from John 13, verses 21 to 25. You may remember in that instance, it is John who is laying there beside Jesus, resting on his breast, and Peter on the other side of the table kind of motions to John. Hey, John, ask Jesus who it is. It's kind of an intimate moment between those two. There's a, there's a connection. In fact, John and Peter kind of have a connection all throughout the book of John. 
You'll see it there at the Last Supper as Peter motions to John. You see it as they, the two of them are the two that, that race to the empty tomb to see Jesus. Many places it is Peter and John that we see together. I think there's a care. There's a camaraderie. There's a love between these two. So I think we'd be foolish to, to think that there is no sense of care in Peter, that it's all jealousy. And I think we'd also be foolish to think it's all jealousy and no care, or no care and all jealousy. I know it's this way in my life. There's been many times in my life where I felt both jealousy and care in the same moment. I have a good friend, and him and I were uh, spend hours in the summers when we were in high school practicing soccer. We were never on the same team, but we were just best friends, and we played together. And I remember one year, his team made it to the championship, and mine didn't. And I went to the championship, and I sat there, and I watched it. And in that moment, I was proud for him. I was cheering for him. I was excited for him. And yet, at the same time, there was a little bit of jealousy in me, right? I, I want to be there. I wish it were me in this championship. Why can't it be me? I wish it was me. And yet, I'm excited for him, and I, I'm excited for, for the opportunity that he has. I want him to win. I want him to score. I think those two can exist inside of us, and that's, I, I think it's a lot more complex than what's going on in Peter right now than just one or the other. And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? What does this mean for all of them? If I'm going to die, is he going to die too? And notice Jesus' response. Jesus said to him, if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. Really, Peter, it's none of your business. Your responsibility is to follow me. But Lord, what about this man? I think that's a question that we learn early in life and ask often, is it not? Well, Lord, what, what about him? What about them? Why me? We're always comparing ourselves, are we not? But what is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. You don't worry about them. I say that all the, kids to, all the time to my own kids. Right? Especially with identical twins that look just alike. They want everything to be just alike. Look, you know, Dad, what about him? Why do I have to do that? Why can't he do that? What, what about him? You don't worry about him. I didn't ask you to worry about him. I asked you to do that. You do what you are called to do. You do what you are responsible for and let him worry about him. It's the same thing that we see here. You follow me. This may be a question that's being asked even today 
We talked about it Wednesday. The situation in Afghanistan that has opened our eyes to our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who even this morning, right now, are suffering. Are facing martyrdom who might not make it through this week. And they know that. And so the question might come up, why are some Christians called to suffering and martyrdom while others enjoy comfort and freedom? What is that to you? You follow me. Why is it that I have to deal with chronic pain or cancer or barrenness or singleness or that I have to be a caretaker or that I can't hold down a job? Why have I had to put up with abuse and neglect and the loss of a loved one or a spouse? Why have I had to grow up in a broken home? Why have I had to deal with all this pain and yet their life looks great? They don't have to deal with that. His life is easy. Why do I have to try to believe that God is good through the midst of all this? It's a lot easier for him to believe that. You follow me. I must admit that I struggle with this in my own life. Not, and it doesn't come just from the place where, where my life is hard, why is everyone else's easy? It comes from other places as well. When I look at in ministry, it's very easy for something like this to pop up. Because I, I know that after being pastor for two years, you guys are very aware of my weaknesses. And I can tell you that I know my weaknesses way better than you do. And I struggle with my weaknesses. Why am I not better at this? Why does this not come easier for me? Why is it so hard for me to, to, to go deep with someone? Why do I struggle with personal relationships? Why is small talk hard for me? Why am I not as gifted as that man? Why don't I get the opportunities that he gets? Why can't I have that ministry? Why do I have to put up with these people? That wasn't pointed at you. <laughs> other people, not you. Why have I been called to this? Or why, Lord, why didn't you give me that gift or that ability? Look at him. Look how easy ministry is for him. Look how great he is at it. Why can't I have that? You follow me. Why is parenting so hard for me? It's so hard for me to be faithful. To discipline my children. It's a lot easier for me to, to, to stay at work and to get stuff done. Why is it so hard for me to take time off? 
Why is it so hard to be understanding and caring towards my, my wife and my family? Why is it so hard to lead family devotions? This person's great at it. That comes easy for them, it seems. You follow me. Don't worry about everything else. Don't worry about that man and that ministry and that family and that dad. You're not called to lead that family. You're not called to lead that church. You're not called to live that life. You're called to your life, to your ministry. And you've been equipped for your life and your ministry. In fact, that is the whole point in the book of John all the way through. Even as Jesus leaves, he does not leave his people ill-prepared. I'm sending you the Spirit, the Helper, who will be with you. You are equipped for what God has called you to. And so you follow me where you are. It's a lot harder than it sounds. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to look at at, at my life that is so much harder than his life looks or her life looks. You've been called to your life. And God is faithful. And so you be faithful. And you follow me. In fact, jump down to verse 24, if you will. This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. This is John, the beloved disciple. And kind of what you see here is the contrast. So it's almost the answer to Peter's question. What about this man? Right? You have Peter, who was called to faithfully preach and to die on the cross as a martyr. And then you have John, who was called to a long life, who died as an old man who wrote and testified. And we have the privilege to look back on these two lives and we see that in both lives, in Peter's life that was loud, that was out front where he led and he preached and then he died, a martyr. And you look at John's life that was long and faithful and he wrote. They're called to different lives, and yet in each one, God was faithful, and in each one, God was glorified. If you get nothing else out of this message this morning, these three words, let them stick in your mind. You follow me. What about you follow me? But you follow me. You follow me. It's none of your business what God is doing in someone else's life. You do not know better than God what is good for you or what is good for them. God knows better and he has called you to it. He will equip you for it. You follow me. Should move on to verse 23. You have kind of a confusion that then came out of this. 
And that's kind of the loose end that John's tying up here. He wants everyone to be clear on this, because this could be troublesome if this gets wrong, right? The saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if that he remained till I come, what is that to you? There was this legend, this rumor that had gone out from this, that John would not die until Christ returned. And so that would cause a lot of theological problems if John did die, which he did, and Christ did not return. So John's kind of tying up this loose end here at the end of his book. That is not what Jesus said. He did not say that I would not die before his coming. He said, if you remain till I come, what is that to you? That's not in your business, Peter. That's the point that Jesus was making. That's none of your business. My will is for John's life, Peter. You focus on my will for your life. You follow me. As you come to verse 25, there are many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. We saw this uh, in John 20, verses 30 to 31, as John says, these, I, I have written these things for what purpose? That you might believe. I've written these things that you might see that Jesus is the Son of God and that by seeing you would believe. Jesus did many other things, but I have specifically included these that seeing you might believe. It's not just that seeing you might believe unto faith and salvation for the first time, but that even as a believer, as you return to John time and time again throughout your life, you might see and keep believing. You might see and be encouraged. Jesus is the Son of God. Look at these things that he has done. As you come to the end of John, in this last final challenge, you follow me. Our minds go back to the first 18 verses of John. John 18, John 1, 1 to 18. These first 18 verses are a declaration, a statement put forth as truth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, but who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses, but the grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. 
the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. John starts there with a bang. He doesn't start with a story. He starts with the truth. He puts forth this theological truth. This is true. It's a declaration. In the rest of the book, John seeks to prove those 18 verses, that statement, that the Word became flesh. And now as you come to these last five verses, the end of the book of John, we see a call to action. If the first 18 verses of John are true, as has been shown in the last 20 chapters of John, in everything that he has written, if they are true, then John 21, 22 is the only right response. You follow me. If he is the Son of God, then the only right response is to believe and to follow. And he is the Son of God. And so, brothers and sisters, this morning as we come to the end of this book, the whole point of John, cut down to just three words, is this. You follow me. The question is then, will you? Will you? The call at the end of John is to look and to believe. To follow. Whatever that may look like and wherever it may take you, you believe. You follow. And that brings us to our application this morning. Two points, simply this, believe or follow. Believe and follow. As we come to the book of John, we've worked our way through these 21 chapters. We've seen that Jesus is the Son of God. And John tells us his purpose is that in seeing, you might believe. And if you are here this morning and you have never placed your faith in Christ alone for salvation... Then I would call to you this morning, you follow. Believe. Place your faith in Christ alone. John doesn't get to the end of the book and say, you know, if, if you do all these good works, this is who Jesus is. And if you do these good works, then Jesus will love you enough to save you. It's not what he says. He gets to the end of the book and he doesn't point to your merit. He doesn't point to your works. He points to the Son of God and he says, believe in him. You can't earn salvation. You cannot do enough good works to outweigh your bad works. You are a sinner and you deserve eternal damnation in hell. That's what I deserve. But God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son you deserve death, and he died for you. That you, by believing in him, might have life everlasting. So start following today. Even today, as we close in just a second, and we sing a song, will you turn from your 
sins. If you're clinging to your good works and you think that those are enough to to save you, turn from those good works and turn to Jesus Christ alone. Place your faith in Him and find life everlasting in salvation. Secondly, brothers and sisters in Christ, if you are in Christ this morning, keep believing and keep following. Maybe you've become distracted. Maybe you've looked at others and and you become jealous. Take your eyes off of others and put them on Christ and keep following. Don't worry about them. You follow me. Remember those three words this week. You follow me. Regardless. Whatever that means, whatever that looks like, wherever that leads you, you follow me. Not in your strength. We've seen it all throughout the book of John. You are not left alone. You are not abandoned. In Christ you have the Spirit. You have all that you need. And so you follow me.